Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning to all of my international listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. And I am so happy to be talking to all of you out there on this beautiful day that God has given to us. The um, weather here continues to be unpredictable. As I was uh, talking to um, the best engineer in the world, shout out to Dave, I was telling him that it's forecasted that Next week, we're supposed to have a day in the, it's supposed to be like 90. That's, that's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. And, uh, but today is going to be like a high, you know, um, in the, you know, 72 and, uh, and, you know, we just returned, um, uh, from a trip recently in California and the weather there too was sunny, but it was cold. You know, they're always talking about sunny California. You know, we used to live in California, but, uh, to, to us, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was it's chilly. So now, you know, then it's, you know, uh, foggy and, um, you know, the, the typical California, uh, weather, but you know, it, it's okay. It's all good. So, you know, also, I want to acknowledge the flooding regarding the residents in Nebraska. Now, NPR reported on March 19th that 74 cities and 65 counties declared a state, um, declared a state emergency. And I certainly hope that the residents there are safe and they are getting help as they are going through this tragedy, unfortunately. So I am praying that all you all out there are doing just great, my listeners, and should there be anyone or anything that confronts you in a negative manner, I'm hopeful that you have the necessary positiveness wherewithal to deal with it resulting in a necessary resolution that will benefit all involved. Okay, we are going to have a wonderful show today, as always, with great discussions. Joining me is going to be the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell, and we're going to be bringing him on real quick. And then after that, we're going to be talking with Brett Wallach. He is going to be talking about the importance of becoming an organ donor as he is a recipient of an owner of an organ, which is the heart. And uh, he's going to be talking about he's, he's five year post um, from this um, uh, donation. And it's a fabulous, fabulous story. So I'm all excited, you know, that we're going to be having all of these great conversations today. So we're going to go jump right into my dinner table conversation and this is about the report on NPR by Nate um, Hagee on March 19th, titled Increasing Increasing Recruiting and Propaganda Across the West. Now, listeners, this report is built on the unfortunate tragedy that happened in New Zealand where terrorists attacked two mosques, injuring and killing over 50 people. The report states that this attack was inspired by a European-based breed of white nationalism, it further states that this identified movement formed in France in 2016. This group believes that white people in Europe and North America are being displaced by non-European immigrants. Now, the article also states that over the past few months, groups affiliated with similar ideas have protested and put up posters across college campuses in California, 
Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, and Montana. Now, their members are mostly anonymous, and they and they espouse racism and hate online. The posters were, were from a white nationalist group called Patriot Front. One of the posters has a map of the United States on it saying, not stolen, conquered, which this country, um, listeners, was was stolen from the natives that lived here, okay, thrown off their land and given reservations to live on, not stolen from white people. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, this is and has always been a very serious movement here in this country. This is nothing new in this country regarding white nationalist movements. However, one of the seriousness of this movement is how it is targeting the college campuses, students with their hateful and racist rhetoric and seemingly this movement got more power as the person who is now temporarily sitting in the White House. They're giving him admiration uh, that has been given to him, and he still continues not to denounce this crap. Now, it is being reported that hateful and racist paraphernalia is being distributed on campuses like 40 Going North and on the Internet as well. It is something that should be taken very seriously by our government officials right now. So now, my questions to you out there, listeners, for your dinner table conversation are the following. Do you talk to your children and particularly your college students regarding this movement that is targeting them to join in on horrific and deadly encounters? Do you think that the government should make a more proactive response regarding this ugly growing matter? Don't just take it, you know, as a yes response from your group at the table. Make them explain exactly why. Ask at the dinner table, do they know the history of these groups in and out of the United States? If not, educate them on it. And if you are not knowledgeable enough, please do some research. And explain to them regarding the consequences and dangers that are involved should they decide to become a recruit. Now, should they be approached by a white nationalist member for recruitment, for example, ask them how would they handle it? For example, would they immediately report it to the campus officials? Would they immediately report it to you, their parent or parents or their guardians? And why it's important that they should. Now, my last question to you listeners is, do you check your kids' rooms? I've talked to you about this before. I feel that you should be doing general cleaning frequently to their rooms. I did it. You know, you have to understand that this room is in my house or my apartment that I oversee and that I'm paying all the bills for. So I have responsibilities to make sure that everything in that in my home or my apartment is intact in the manner and how I want it to be. Now, I feel that this topic of choice is a good one and it needs to be Discussed. And by a matter of fact, I am going to bring on my guest, Reginald C. Campbell, right now so that I want to hear his comments on what I just said. He is known as the world's best mental health therapist. He is a frequent guest to my show. Good morning, Reginald, and thank you for being on my show today. Uh, good morning, and uh, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So now listen, um, what are, you know, what are some of your comments or comment on what I just said about, you know, the rise of the, uh, nationalist movements and particularly, uh, targeting the campuses, which is nothing new. 
But I'm just saying, you know, um, it, they, they have done this when we were, you know, little children coming up, but it seems to have now taken more leaps and bounds, um, you know, particularly as of late. What do you, what do you uh, think about all of this? Yeah, unfortunately, it, it, it isn't anything new. Um, um, now they're able to, uh, reach out to more people via, social media, you know, and, and the internet and all of that as well. So, so they're able mm-hmm. to spread their, uh, their hatred, you know, tenfold. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't help, uh, with the person who's temporarily, uh, sitting or crawling around in, in the White House right now. Uh, because mm-hmm. let's face it, he, he, this is, this is his stuff. He enjoys it. He likes it. And he's a racist. And, mm-hmm. you know, we need to just stop dancing around this issue of, you know, if if you have to ask somebody if they're a racist, I mean, really, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If, if it if it quacks, has web feed, it's, it's a duck, um, mm-hmm. you know, so people and, and, and when have you had to ask uh, a person who's sitting in the White House if they're a racist? I mean that's that's a sad. That's part really as, that as that's, well. that's that's very really sad. sad. Exactly, that's very sad, and it's very disheartening. And any of the other uh, descriptors that that follow along with that 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 line, uh, Reginald, is 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 terrible. I I feel, and um, I I just want parents to be aware of what uh, their children are doing. It doesn't matter. They're going to school if they're 19, 20 years of age, whatever. Parenting is a lifelong journey. And um, so particularly if they are, um, you know, you never know if, if they have something in their room or if they're not uh, living with you, you know, uh, it's still it's still I think, Reginald, um, that, you know, you still keep tabs on them, let's say, and uh, make sure that they're that they're going in their life, um, you know, the correct way. And things like that, you know what I'm saying? So I felt that this was a very important topic um, of choice for dinner table conversation because so many of our um, people that um, are, are coming behind us, but, you know, people in front, in the middle and, and behind us, Reginald, are, are you know, um, seems seemingly becoming more and more lost. So I just want, um, you know, everyone out there to be aware. I know that you've heard you all out there have heard these stories and things like that, but just to, you know, get a conversation from them and talk to them about it and see where their head is at. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? It's important that, uh, uh, that people check their kids bedrooms uh, and see what's, what's going on. None of this, Oh, this is my privacy. This is, you know, this, this is parenting. And if you're afraid to go into your kid's bedroom because they're telling you not to or don't, then there's something wrong there. There's something wrong mm-hmm. with the parenting. There's something wrong with the communication or lack thereof. And there's something wrong with, with the parenting skills, you know, because mm-hmm. you're not going to, you know, be in in my place, in my house, in my apartment, my condo, my residence, whatever, and and I'm not going to have access uh, to your bedroom. I mean, this exactly. I mean, this, 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 this is ridiculous. This is called it the way it is. And and mm-hmm. again, I'm just tired of people dancing around these these important issues. You know, stop that crap. You know, 
know, it exactly. is what it is. Be a parent. Mm-hmm. And like you said, parenting is a is a lifelong journey, of course. You know, if your kid is out and about living in their own space or, you know, have have signed their own lease, okay, you know, whatever, you're not responsible, you can't you can't do that. But long mm-hmm. as you're living under my uh my roof, you know, these are things that I'm gonna do. But even you still should have some influence over your child, even if they're up and about and, and, and grown, you know, again, exactly. this is a lifelong mm-hmm. journey. This is something exactly. that, you know, it's a lifelong responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for those comments, Reginald. Now I want to um, move into another topic, which is healthcare. And uh, this is very important about the medical debt that is consistently rising in this country. And, um, you know, I just want to know, are there any resolutions for this, uh, Reginald? And what is the driving, you know, the driver of the rise of this continuum of health care cost and is really becoming a burden on the citizens of this country? Now, I feel that this is a very important topic and it is very important to have health care coverage um, in this country, Reginald and my listeners, and I get that. And the rising costs and exceptional high deductibles and the cost of medicine is just totally off the chain. People are having to make decisions, for example, should they pay their utilities or buy the medicines that have been prescribed to them? And it should not be this way, Reginald, because being able to maintain your health is very important. And like I always say, Without a healthy society, we do not have a thriving society. So now, as I was looking at varying articles regarding this subject, I came across this article, and I would like to uh, read uh, what it says in part. It's titled, Why Do Healthcare Costs Keep Rising? And I pulled this from Investopedia.com by a gentleman named Jim Probosco, and it's dated the uh, 29th of October, 2018. Now, he says healthcare costs are rising, according to 2017 study published in the Journal of American Medical Association, also known as JAMA. Um, healthcare spending, um, spending in the United States rose nearly a trillion dollars from 1996 to 2015. Now, Reginald, the, uh, JMMA studied, uh, tried to establish how five key factors, you know, for, you know, population growth, Population aging, disease prevalence or incidence, medical service utilization, and service price and intensity were associated with health care increases over time. Now, the authors found that service price and intensity, including the rising cost of pharmaceutical drugs, made up more than 50% of the increase. Other factors which comprise the rest of the cost increase vary by type of care and health condition. You know, like growing and aging population, rising health insurance um, premiums, higher out-of-pocket costs, regional inefficiency, and lack of transparency. You know what? You know what? What are your thoughts about this, Reginald? You and I have talked about this. Um, uh, you know about the continuum of rising costs in healthcare and just the the whole the whole spectrum of how. Things are being handled. Things meaning how doctors are relating to um, their 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 patients and and uh, things of that nature. You know, I'm also hearing about the fall of of doctors not having great bedside manners and things like that, Reginald. So, what are some of your comments about this? 
Well, I have one word for uh, for, for for a lot of this, and it's uh, one word, and it's called greed. G R E E D, all uppercase. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no way, you know, look, I, I understand with R&D research and development, you know, of medications and, you know, things like that. But when you're always mm-hmm. talking about all of the technology and, and, and you know, that's available to you and, and all of this stuff, you know, but yet when it comes down to covering, it, it's a shame that we that we don't have an educated and a healthy populace because yes. without an educated and a healthy populace, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, these, these, these Republicans have put out this, you basically brainwash people to believe, you know, again, that, you know, the affordable health care act was something wrong, that there was something mm-hmm. wrong with that. I mean, they went out to destroy it. They went out to the store for, you know, now just think of this. They didn't want everybody covered in health care. I think it's a crime. It's, it's a straight up crime. Yeah. Yeah. But you can yeah. pull Isn't that, five yeah. billion. Oh, this, let me finish this. You can pull five billion. Now wrap your head around that, people. Five billion or more dollars for a fence, for a racist fence. But we can't cover women, children, our seniors, our our veterans, our our house our housewives, our our husbands. You know, our population. We can't cover our population. It's not that we can't. It's that the government refuses, and they keep mm-hmm. handing people this line of BS. And again, yes. I'm using this again. Let's stop dancing around this. Mm-hmm. The truth mm-hmm. is, they don't want to, and it's greed. But you could take five billion dollars for yeah. a damn fence. Yeah, are you kidding which is, me? Which is which is unnecessary. Which is which is unnecessary. There's no need, and it is. It's all about greed. It's all about greed and racial. And I'm also going to throw in that you know they there's just not um um care. Okay, there's just not care. Um, because I, as I said, I'm hearing people talking about, and you and I have experienced this because we've talked about this as well. I'm hearing people talk about the lack of, like, as I said, um, good conversations, bedside matters between the doctor and the patient. You know, they're in there, um, and, and they're out. Now, this is not to say that it's a blanket statement. I'm not making this a blanket statement. But it is a lot of it that's going on, you know, because it's talked about among, you know, uh, you and I, Reginald, our, you know, family members and friends and and other, you know, colleagues and other people that we run into. This seems to be a very good, uh, big topic, you know, the healthcare and the education and uh, racism, you know, uh, too, um, in in this country. But you know, right now we're talking about the healthcare. Now they said that. You know, regarding the rising health insurance premiums, for most people, the rising cost of health insurance premium lies at the center of concerns about rising health care costs. And that's because, um, you know, people cannot afford the premiums. Mm-hmm. I don't under, I don't, I don't get mm-hmm. this, Reginald. It's like, how do you think you're going to stay in business insurance mm-hmm. companies 
out there if you do not make it affordable for individuals to have insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, I mean, what kind mm-hmm. of world are they living in? I don't, I don't get this. It make you know, they, they, they used to have uh, varying premium rates, which they right. do have very premium rates now, Reginald. But they used to have varying premium rates where it was affordable for certain right. people. Okay, well, I can't, I can't afford to pay this, but I can get this. You know, now they, they, they seemingly are, you know, um, minimizing that even. Even though mm-hmm. they have, you know, maybe one or two, it's not like they they have a bunch, you know, like right. they used to. Right. Now they got like one or two, Reginald. You know, it's like okay, you right. can either do this or you can either do that. You can have the HRA, HSA, you know, and then it's like okay, oh my gosh, you know, I can't, I just can't, you know, afford to do this, and I think it's terrible. I really do. And and they sit around and come up with these terms like pre-existing condition. Did we hear that term 25 mm-hmm. years ago? So that's something that yes. they sat around and thought of, you know, again, to how much can we, can we get out of covering? How much mm-hmm. can we make the, the citizens, our customers pay instead of us covering? So it's mm-hmm. all about how to screw the consumer. How, yeah. you know, you, you pay month, and this is your car insurance as well. Let's throw that in there. You know, you pay and pay for years every month. And then when it's time for your coverage, if unfortunately you have an accident or you have to go to the hospital or something mm-hmm. like that, they're looking at what it is that they don't have to cover. I mean, this yeah. is totally ridiculous. And, and, and then, Reginald, when you're inquiring about your coverage, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they get defensive about it. Right. You've been paying, you've been paying for this for years and years and right. years. So it's like, okay, so why are you getting defensive? You know, when my doctor says I need this type of machine or whatever, and you're telling me, oh no, you're not going to get that. You're going to get, you know, this or whatever. You know, um, I, um, when I, you know, years ago, when I worked uh, for CNA insurance, I, you know, uh, starting out, um, in claims department, we always, if we had a question, we meaning the workers there, if we had a question about a claim or, or, or things like, of that nature, we would call and speak directly with the doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't where we were the deciding factor of anything. And we were also making sure that the code was the correct code so that things can happen for your patient. If the doctor Mm -hmm. erroneously put down a certain code, we would always call them and say, listen, that was the wrong code and you need to put this code in. But you know what? That's the, that's the other thing too, Reginald, that we talked about the last time about service in this country, you know, Mm -hmm. the depletion of it. And, and this is because people are uncaring and it's also because people are disconnected from the source, which is God. Now, one other thing that this article says about, um, um, you know, the, the insurance premiums and Reginald is that higher insurance premiums are only part of the picture. Um, Americans are paying more out of pocket than ever before. A shift to high deductible health plans, which is H H D H P's. They always have an acronym for everything. Yeah. <laughs> that can impose out of pocket costs, including deductibles, co-pays and coinsurance of up to $13,300 per family have added greatly 
to the cost of health insurance. And I mean, like, why is that? It's like it's it's, it's like it's a game or something, Reginald. Oh, well, let's see, you know, like you were saying, mm-hmm. they, they get together and have a meeting, you know, and it's like, OK, well, let's see how we can take the money and run. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. when it comes time time for them, you know, no, we don't we don't um, have this and we don't have that. And the thing about it is, Reginald, is it's not only affecting individuals who don't have, you know, um, a, a lot of monetary um, money sitting in the bank. Whoopi Goldberg was talking about this as she was returning um, to the view after her after her bout of sickness and mm-hmm. how um, she had to deal with. Them telling her, her doctor is telling her that she needs a specific machine, you know, for her breathing because she had um, sepsis and, um, you know, a real bad bout of pneumonia. And they're mm-hmm. going to tell her, oh, no, you don't need that. You, This is what you need. OK, this mm-hmm. is what you know. I'm like, come wow. on. Yeah, wow. they're gonna. this is oh no, we're not we're not going to we're not going to uh, do this. We're going to do that. You know, and then. You know, I hear the stories um, all the time about people, and it's so sad having to make decisions. Like I said earlier, yeah. Yeah. okay, now do I do I pay for my light and gas bill or do I pay for my pills? Let me see. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that should not mm-hmm. be a deciding factor for an individual who wants to maintain their life in a healthy state. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Yeah, it's 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 a sad state of affairs uh, in in this country, and it says a lot about us as a society. It yes. says a lot about us as a society that we won't take care of our own, and and there yeah. there 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 are other countries, smaller countries, who take care of their citizens medically, and, mm-hmm. and it's just been a campaign to. For by these Republicans, and I'm just going to call it the way it is because I'm not going to dance around this crap. Exactly. You know, it's a straight up campaign for them to brainwash people to think that, well, it's something wrong, you know, about the Affordable Care Act, that there's something wrong with everybody being covered. And, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the insurance companies are laughing all the way to the bank. They put out this thing about, oh, how. Um, you know, it's how it's not everybody being covered. It's not working in Canada. It's not working in Britain. It's not. It's a straight up lie. Mm-hmm. It's a straight up lie. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, the people who are who have succumbed to this, who believe this, are the main ones who are or will going to suffer when it comes time for them to be able to have a certain treatment or something like that through their insurance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, exactly. it's, it's time for it. But again, that it goes not only to the greed of the insurance companies, but it goes to the hatefulness of others who don't want, who don't see the importance of having other people healthy and being able to, I want everyone to be able to go to a doctor when and if they need it. I want everybody in this country covered where they can just exactly. walk in. And, you know, because everybody's paying taxes. When you go to the store, I don't care if you're buying bubble gum, you're paying taxes. Mm-hmm. And and these are the kind of things that I want my taxpayers' money to, to cover. 
it's a doggone shame that, like you were saying, people have to decide, do I yeah. pay this or, or, do I, or can I afford my medication? There's something mm-hmm. wrong as a society when we have succumbed to that. Exactly, exactly. And then not only that, the, the medication is so dang gone expensive. OMG. Yeah. I'm like that, you know, you get a few pills for, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a million dollars. You know, yeah. uh, I, I just, yeah, I, 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 I'm like, you know, I, I, I just don't know. And, and, you know, um, the, the youngest son, um, Cedric, uh, works there, you know, with pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, he talks about all the time how people call him up and crying and, um, and, and that because they don't have their money, you know, to pay for their medication mm-hmm. that have, they used to pay like $30 for medication. And then how mm-hmm. overnight, um, is going to rise up, you know, so, so expensive to $700. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's a shame. It's, mm-hmm. it's a shame. I don't know how these people who regulate this, I, you know, look, I don't know how you can go home at night and, and, and close your eyes and, and feel that you've done a good thing when it, when it comes to that, when you're basically denying people medication and coverage that they can and should have, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, with, with, I, with the, I, I yeah. just feel that there's a warm place in hell for people, uh, with racism and, and, and greed. And and I'm sick and tired of them also talking about, um, you know, older people and the cost of your health care, you know, mm-hmm. comes the older the person, the cost of why is why? Right. Why? I, I'm, I'm not understanding that. How is that going to be when um, when uh, people um are you know there's reports that saying that people are living longer you know mm-hmm. living to their hundreds so so you know what what is the, what is the excuse other than you know you're just not wanting to do what it is that you want to do okay now Reginald, let's move on to our next um topic here on the show and that's bringing on our next guest who is Brett Wallach Okay. And, uh, Brett, um, uh, let me give you a little bit of information about this young man. He is very smart. He is very enthusiastic. He is 21 years of age and he is currently a full-time student studying at Glendale Community College as he is pursuing a degree in social work. So he wants to help people. Now he will be transferring to Arizona State University in the fall of 2019 and I'm, I'm just so proud of him. He, uh, is a heart transplant patient and, uh, he is five years post his transplant. 
Now, he had this surgery done at the Phoenix Children's Hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. I hope I'm correct about that. When I bring him on, he can correct me if I'm wrong. And he is doing just excellent. He has um, uh, two parents who um, make sure that he has everything that he needs and, and beyond. They're fabulous parents. So that certainly is a welcoming thing. And um, his parents and, and he are like family to me. So I'm so happy to have him here um, as a guest on my show. So welcome, Brett, for being a guest on Hi. my show today. How of are course, you this morning? Thank you very much. I'm doing great. Uh, a, little, a little early. I'm uh, not used to getting up so early, but I don't mind it for doing this. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really I really appreciate it. Uh, Reginald and uh, Brett, I believe that you guys do know one another. Um, I, I believe that you uh, met uh, Brett, um, Reginald, um some months ago or something like that. He lives, he lives in the neighborhood here. Yep. Yeah, I, I do. I do remember meeting this fantastic young man and it's good to have him on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Now this is, I felt that this was very, um, uh, that this would be a very important topic to talk about. And the reason is, is because there's a big, rise of organ donor and I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about it than Brett so now uh, Brett was I correct that you had the surgery at Phoenix Children's Hospital here in Phoenix yes that's correct fantastic fantastic I love Phoenix Children's Hospital because this is where uh, my grandson had heart surgery too and he's doing absolutely great as well so now Brett do you mind Telling our listeners what was the reason that you needed to have a heart transplant initially? Of course. So um, initially what it was is I was a normal kid in high school. Uh, I was pursuing to go play some baseball potentially in the fall. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of just figuring myself out in high school. And then um was coming around finals week when I was uh, towards December, almost Christmas time. And, wasn't feeling right felt some tightness in my chest felt like I was had asthma couldn't breathe so I didn't think much of it but my dad and I were walking to uh AutoZone to go pick up a battery for his car and I just wasn't walking very fast and being that he's prior military he's like come on buddy like pick it up like, you're walking really slow so I was like okay I'm trying so I didn't think much of it but as time got on progressively I uh it got worse and worse and um my dad decided after I took my finals that it would be the best option to go get checked out. So I decided to go get checked out at Luke Air Force Base. And the second I walked in, they sat me down. They said, you have a heart rate of 140 beats per minute just sitting here. They said, you can wait for an ambulance or you can your dad can take you. And, of course, we weren't going to wait for an ambulance. So mm-hmm. we rushed we rushed to Phoenix Children's and... The second that I walked in, they sat me down and started testing me. They were like, you're going to need a heart transplant. Mm. Wow. That's where, that's, that is where the, the journey began of going through the heart transplant. Wow. Now, how long did it take, uh, Brett, from that time of the initial diagnosis to the time you actually received uh, notification that there was a, a heart available for you? Um, it was three months. They uh, they put me at the top at 1A status. They wanted me to make sure that I was top priority and got mm-hmm. what I needed since I was in such a severe condition. Um, mm-hmm. And it was three months, 
and I stay, I actually was put on a pump that took over from my heart that, um, pretty much there was no actual heartbeat that I had. It was just a cycle. Um, mm-hmm. and they had me on that for about three months, getting better, doing physical therapy, preparing pretty much for the, for the transplant that was to come. And, uh, the transplant came in March and right around this time of year, actually two more days, it'll be my, uh, five years post transplant. Oh, fabulous, fabulous, yeah. fabulous. Now, I know that there's celebrations that happen every year, correct? There um, is, yes. I, I treat it as another birthday, pretty much. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We do the same thing um, in October for uh, my baby boy. Every time that anniversary comes around, there's always, you know, a family celebration because it is something uh, to celebrate. Now, Reginald, is there a question that you would like to ask? Albrecht, for um, our listeners. Yeah, well, just just how how are you doing? And you know, have you um, you know have you ever spoken to to uh, uh, any other uh, people, the children, or you know, young adults uh, who uh, who have the same condition that that you have? Uh, I do actually. I my biggest thing I like to do is giving back, obviously, and. Um, we always tell Phoenix Children's or uh, Mayo Clinic, because that's where I'm at now, um, that if there's any cases where there's kids, adults that are about to go through a transplant, that they call me and I go talk to them, just to kind of give them some insight on what's going to happen, how life's going to be afterwards, because no no one really knows. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're thrown into a situation where you can't really know what's going to happen, because not not many people go through it, so... That's why I like to come in and come talk to the family and the patient and figure out, you know, let them know that, hey, everything's going to be okay. It's not too scary. Uh, as long as you take care of yourself, life's going to be pretty awesome. So I like to mentor the younger kids to make sure that they don't, you know, skip their meds and make sure that they get into a, the routine that they're supposed to be in and not get off track. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know that... um you you um you know we're going around and 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 talking to individuals and that that is very very helpful because it can be very scary you know of um when you have received the diagnosis such as this you know and it's like okay so what you know what do i do um about it now now um what is the age Brett, that one has to be in order to become um an organ donor uh, any age. There's no restriction. At any. Okay. Yep. You know, okay. To become one, okay, sorry. Uh, let me rephrase that. To receive one, you can be any age, but to become one, you have to be 15 and a half. That's my bad. 15 and a half oh. is the age where you can, you can register when they go get their, their permit. Um, there's a little box that they can check that's right, right on their paperwork they're filling out that, uh-huh. um, that says, do you want to be an organ donor? And so to check that box, mm-hmm. that's, that's the, that's the youngest that you can be. And then any age after that, anybody can donate organs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Also great. Parents okay. Can also, uh, parents can also uh, donate to their kids. Okay. And the parents can donate to the, they can be a donate, the donor as well. That's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's really cool. That is really cool. And because as I said, it's, it's so much of it now. I did um some some of my research and um knowing that you were going to be on my show and according to statista.com it says that 
the, the statistics displays the total number of organ donors in the United States from 1988 to 2018. Now, in 2017, there were 16,473 organ donors in this country. And organ donation can be given through both a deceased and living donor, you know, uh, be it blood and oxygen, you know. And they said mm-hmm. that there were over 120,000 people in this country waiting for um organ transplants you know that's that's quite a that's yeah that's quite a large number of individuals but then it also goes on to say that of as of january this year uh brett that more than 113,000 candidates for transplants you know in the united states you know that that's on the waiting list they're waiting for um you know to to receive a you know a transplant you know so yeah this is it's very important to become a, a donor isn't it it is, yes, it's very important because that that number, as as much as most people don't think, one hundred twenty thousand is is that much, but in reality, that's a lot of people, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are a lot of people are in need, and a lot of people need organs in in, a, in order to live. And you know, it's not that hard to, to just you know go. I mean, if you don't have it, it's not that hard to just go to your DMV, and you can even do it online when you you can reorder a a license and just check the box. I mean, it's it's such an important thing, and it saves lives, you know. And I it, and I understand, you know, people are scared, and you know that's why I like to give information to people that there's nothing to be scared about. You know, you're as sad as it is as it is, someone passes away, and you know that their organs, if they aren't an organ donor, will just be left in their body. You know, and for some people, mm-hmm. they they may need that. You know, someone might need a heart or a kidney or a liver mm-hmm. or or lungs. You know, and it's sad to see people not want to do that. So, yeah. So, what do you think about all of this organ donation, um, uh, Reginald? Do you think that this is something important? That's something that maybe you would be willing to check the box? Well, I've uh, for probably for the past twenty something years, I've checked the box uh, uh, when I was living in in Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always checked the box. So. Is something I've done for for over I would say probably 25 years, and mm-hmm. when I relocated to Arizona uh, for my license, I did the same thing. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I checked the box as well. So, so I I, I think it's important. Uh, having been um, uh, a kidney dialysis technician back in the day, you know, 20 something years ago, I you know was aware of the importance of of organ donations, uh, you know, mm-hmm. especially kidneys. So. So yeah, it's 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 an important thing. Yeah, so so I encourage yeah. everyone to to do that. Yeah, to do that. Yeah. Now that's something that I have not done and my husband has not done, but I'm going to encourage that because I'm going to do it. And speaking of uh kidneys, uh Brett, um according to um um organdonor.gov it says that 83.4% of individuals are waiting for a kidney. This is as of 2019. I thought it would be you know more of of heart and liver but it's the kidney. So yeah. when so so when you go in Brett and you talk to um people are they all um heart um recipients um or or, or is just across the board you just talk to them whether it's a heart, kidney, liver, lungs how how does that um, work? It just it's mainly specifies with heart um because it's obviously I went through a heart transplant but any transplant's the same. Obviously, you go through a little different process with some stuff, and 
Some transplants have different restrictions. Um, mainly we have kind of the same restrictions based off of like our medication that we take and all that. But um, mm-hmm. I usually talk to the heart transplant people, the kids that are going to have a heart transplant or have had one and I've just didn't have the time to get to them before they had it. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I, I work closely with uh, Donor Network of Arizona and I go to the, all their events, to try to get people to become organ donors and everyone that's there is uh, either had a kidney, liver, heart, lungs. So I talk with everybody and we all kind of have the same outlook on everything and kind of can all mentor each other and mentor people that we're going to talk to. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in the wake of all of this that has happened to you, are um, a good part of your family members have now be decided to become a donor? Yes, they have. Yes. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if my, my dad or my mom were already organ donors, but I know that after all this happened and what happened to me and seeing how awesome it is, I'm, I'm definitely sure they uh, checked the box now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Rachel, do you have another question you would like to ask of our guest? No, just just um what's his major in, in school? I think he said that social work, so uh mm-hmm. that's something that you're looking forward to doing, Brad. And what yeah, what's your major in school? Uh I'm I'm looking so forward to doing social work. I I didn't really originally I didn't want to do social work. I wanted to be a radiology technician and do x rays and it just seemed all all good and stuff for a while until I was just like, I don't think this is for me. I need I'm more people oriented. I love being able to help people and talk to them. So I felt that mm-hmm. if I did something along the work of social work, I could, you know, get closely connected with patients that, you know, are going through whatever I'm going through. Because I want to specify in medical social work. So I'm working in a hospital and be able to help kids that are going through what I'm going through. So I know exactly what they need. Mhm. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's great. fantastic. You know, yeah, I think that's great and we need more, you know, um, you know, people out there um that that um, you know, that are like that that are willing to. You know, this is the whole thing. This is what I always say is that, you know, we're this is one of the main things we're supposed to be doing as uh spiritual beings having a human being experience here on earth is to help one another. You know, and it. um that's why I, I yeah, I call Brett a, a fantastic human being because I've I've been knowing him now for some years and I've seen him grow and, and evolve and continue to evolve. He's um He's he's a very hard worker, and and these are people that I like to shine the light on. Uh, for anyone who out there is maybe having some second thoughts or something about what it is they should do or whatever, but it's the thing. The whole thing about it is that it's so inspiring, and I think you're very um um inspiring, uh, Brett. So. Now, I, I want to give another stat about the organ donation. Um, it says that 36,528 transplants were performed in 2018, and they said that that's a new record high uh, for the sixth mm. consecutive year. Yeah. Mm, wow. Wow. I yeah. didn't even know wow. that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a new record high. So the, the, the donation, um, you know, is, is working because they're able to, you know, perform these, these stats. Uh, I'm sorry, they're, they're able to gather these stats regarding the, the, uh, performance of, of, uh, donations among our citizens. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So kudos to all of you out there who are um you know donors and 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 uh, cuz it it really it really is helping it really is helping it's 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 a it's a major thing you know now 
it um oh and also I, I want to say one other thing in 2018 more than 145 million people over the age of 18 had registered as organ donors so this is a good thing this is a good yeah, thing yeah. now uh huh yeah. now that's for this is more than half of the U S that's wow, awesome wow, that's, that's great. See, so actually we do care for one another here in the United States, you know. Yeah. It's just that we, we got a few people that are cray cray, let's say, but, uh, for the most part, we do care for one another here, um, in this country. And that's another point that I wanted to, to bring out. Now, Brett, should a person want to become an organ donor? How should they go about doing it? You know, like where do they go register? You know, you've already said you could check the box on your uh, driver's license, but where, what, where else can they go to to make this happen? Should they want to be a, don- a donor? Um, it depends on if you want to be a, if you want to do it in your state or if you want to do it in the entire country. There's two registries: there's a national registry and a state registry. Um, but all you gotta do is just, uh, go online and, and type in, uh, donornetwork.org and, or donornetworkofamerica.org. And, um, you can go on there and you can simply just click on, there'll be some, uh, some tabs at the top that will say register to be an organ donor. You click that and you fill out some information. It usually takes about 10, 15 minutes. And what they'll do is they'll, um, they'll send you like a, a thing confirming that you have become an organ donor. And then you can go to your DMV and show them that information, and they'll put a sticker on the back of your license if you haven't done it already. And it'll be a little red heart that they'll put on the back of your license for you. Oh, fantastic. Okay, great. Great. Fantastic. I think they make it very, well, they make it very easy, which is, which is great. And, and like I said, that's something that I've done, um, you know, as far as uh, checking the box on my driver's license. Probably for the, uh, I know I said the past 25 years, and as I'm sitting here thinking, that's something I've probably done for the past 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, checking the, of, of checking the box to be an organ donor. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something that I, that I, that I have not done yet. It's on my, let's say bucket list to do. Um, but, um, after this conversation, I will be having a conversation with the rest of the family members and, um, asking them, you know, to become a, um, an organ donor because I think it's very important. Um, it helps, uh, so many people, um, you know, uh, in this world who, um, have their organs are unfortunately failing. And if they can continue to live, um, you know, a fruitful life, then I think that this is definitely something that, uh, should be considered, um, seriously for others. Well, Brett, definitely. I thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to say, uh, to my listeners out there about, um, um, you know, the, the organ donor program. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we um, close out? Not really. No, just all I would have to say is just don't be scared. You know, look at there's tons of information out there on it. And, you know, a lot of people get, you know, a little nervous about it and think that the biggest, the common, most common misconception is that they, people think that they're going to take the organs now and that, you know, mm-hmm. doctors won't save you if you're in the hospital and that like you're very you know hurt the first thing that doctors and and nurses will do is save you it's just that you know it's a matter of if you're going to come out of it or not and that's when they decide if you'll be a donor or not they're not going to take your stuff right now that's the most most common Mm -hmm. misconception that's why people are always so scared to donate so it's just don't be scared to Mm -hmm. donate yeah, yeah. That's a that's a yeah. very good very good point. Um Brett, yeah. very good point. Yeah. 
Yeah. So now for all of you out there, uh, I just would like to reiterate if you're interested in becoming an organ donor, you can um, do this through the DMV. As Brett has explained, there is a little uh, a tickler or stamp or something that they put on the back of your license um, indicating if something unfortunately happens that your organs will be donated with the ones that you specified. And you can also go on organdonor.gov. As you've also heard my guest say, it's not a, a long thing to do, but it's a very important thing to do. And I thank you, Brett, for taking your time, uh, for being on, on my show today. I will be having you as a returned uh, guest. Um, probably for another subject, but I would like for you to return again. And um, I I also value the information that you have given to me and and my listeners. So thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Enjoy your day, Brett. We will be you talking okay. very soon. Thank you, okay, Brett. Sounds good. Thank you. Good. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks, bye bye. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, Reginald, that was very interesting. Mm. There was a lot of, um, wow. good, inf- yeah. a lot of, um, good information and, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, that he's given to me and, and I'm sure you and our listeners, you know, and, um, and I think mm. that I, I really loved it, um, when he talked about his story and there were so many yeah. good points in there, uh, that he talked about. He talked about, um, you know, the misconception. And I think that's really good because I have heard people say, you know, oh, well, they're going to, you know, take my kidney now. They're going to take my, you know, and uh, people need to, you know, stop having these fears. So this is what it always gets back to, Reginald, isn't it? That education is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's getting that information and and knowing, you know, of of that. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just overwhelmed by by that young man and mm-hmm. uh, and and his story of hearing his story and and as I was listening to his voice I'm like here's here's the person who uh, you know is here uh, because of 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 a, of a donated organ uh, so he's yes. able to continue his his life and you know how they always say the gift yeah. of life on on the on the commercials the gift of life and and, and it is it is exactly that. It it is. Life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I always like to have, you know, great people on my show. I mean, you're here on the show all the time and you know, I'm not gonna have anyone <laughs> on come on my show who um um you know is not gonna be beneficial um to uh me and my listeners out there. You know, they, they have to be um able to be um uh, articulate as um you are and my guest um uh, uh, Brett, uh, Wallach was, you know, yeah, he's a very enterprising young man. He's very interesting. And, um, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, I like, I, yeah, I like him a lot. And like I said, he's like, uh, he's like a son to me. So, you know, cool in this yeah. game. So we have, yeah. So Reginald, we have, um, about, uh, three minutes, I believe, less, uh, left in the show. And, but I would like to, um, give out some information, um, to our, to our listeners. Um, about the temporary person in the White House. Can we get on him again, Reginald? Yeah, um, let's do it. Yeah, so listen, you know, the, the, 
it was reported on CBS News recently. And see, and I like to talk about these things, Rachel, because as as you and I say, the media don't keep it out there fresh and abundant enough. I want mm-hmm. um, you guys to be aware of the cuts that uh, the temporary person in the White House is proposing to do. Number one, he's proposing to cut food stamps $220 billion. He's proposing to cut Medicare $845 billion. Dollars. He's proposing to cut Medicaid $241 billion and to cut uh, EPA by 31%. Now, uh, Chip Kahn of the Federation of American Hospitals said the impact of care for seniors alone would be devastating. And as I said in our conversations before, Reginald, I'm talking real fast because um, my engineer is going to clue me in here in a minute, um, that the information is something that needs to be discussed and needs to be discussed repeatedly, not him mm-hmm. tweeting and this kind of stuff. So the citizens can really understand what is going on that is going to be more than devastating to their life should they take off. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Yeah, and, and it's a darn shame that the news media is not covering this because these are things that need to be covered. These are things that, you know, when people, again, are out there screaming and yelling and things like that, they need to understand these are the things that are going to impact your life. And, again, mm-hmm. this is what Republicans do. Mm-hmm. You know, Republican presidents, this is what they do. They cut and slash things that are needed for people. You know, I this don't, is what they I do, don't get it. and it's just a darn shame. But he's going to sit his yes. fat, fat butt at a table and have three or four uh, Big Macs or, 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 or three or four KFC meals, you know, going to mm-hmm. sit his fat butt at the table, but yet want to cut food for, for children, adults, people who need it. It's a shame mm-hmm. before the eyes of God. It truly yeah. is. It really, it really is. It really is, you know, but, you know, as I said, you know, people really need to, to watch what they do because it all comes back to you. You know, there is no such thing as I got away with this, got away with that. You did not. And, you know, in, in, in the, and I just like to educate my, my, you know, as I said, that's one of the big platforms of my uh, show is to educate people. And like I said, this information came out, you know, a little bit and then, um, and and then, you know, the next thing you know, you don't hear about it anymore. But it needs to be driven home like they do with all of, a whole lot of other stuff that don't need to be, um, you know, driven. But um, anyway, this was a fabulous conversation. I just loved um, the guest, um, my listeners that I had um, on my show, the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell and Brett Wallach, who is a. Uh, recipient of a, of a, of a heart. And, uh, he's a very enterprising, intelligent young man. And I, and I just welcome both of my guests, um, all the time. I just love, love, love talking, um, to you guys and giving you information. I will be returning in a couple of weeks, uh, in April. April is going to be, uh, my healthcare month. I'm going to be talking about some healthcare things and I'm going to, um, have my guest, uh, Reginald C. Campbell highlight on some mental health issues to try to do his best, not try to, but to do his best to diffuse a lot of the things that's, that's saying, that they're saying about mental health. You know, it's a lot out there. Oh, mental health, mental health. So he's gonna, he's gonna talk about that, um, in the month of April. So I want you guys to go out today and be exceptionally great. Be kind and loving to yourself first because that's where it starts. 
and then put that on others. This is Teresa E. Keeves. Go out and make it a great day, and I'll see you in two weeks.